Hey, 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 it's Matt. We got a Thursday episode coming up in just a second, but first I got to get in some plugs because we weren't able to weave them into the show due to our lack of preparation and lack of ability as broadcasters. So the BC Pod Live is going to be next week on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, Orlando, Tampa, and Jacksonville combined show in Tampa with Under Oath's new movie screening, Tired Violence. You can find all the info you need for all of this at badchristian.com forward slash Live. But the main thing about it is that tickets are free or name your own price. Anyway, go get those. Now, Emery's new album, You Were Never Alone, is available for pre-order finally. The release date is going to be May 19th, and any of the packages that you pre-order... You, can, you will get an early download, a week early, of the whole album. So go to youwerneveralone.com. You can buy our vinyl there. You can order that. You can order CDs. T- There's a bunch of good stuff over there. Go check it out. Youwerneveralone.com. Also, Emory on tour. West Coast, Southwest, Texas, a little bit of Midwest. Go to emorymusic.com and go buy one of our VIP packages, and we'll get to meet you. We will hang out at least briefly but go to emorymusic.com, see our tour dates, and get one of our, uh, t- just get a general admission ticket or a VIP ticket, whatever. Point is, see you soon. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. To the Bad Christian Podcast, everybody. We are back. You got Matt, Toby. Hey, we got Dan Coke in the house. Yeah. Dan, say what's hey up. guys. And Dan, what's up? I, I don't know if you know the good news or not, Dan, but Joey's not on the episode today. <laughs> Man. Uh, this is like, this is a dream come true where sometimes <laughs> I sit there going, if only I were replacing Joey, what would happen? Sorry, Joey. Well, we'll find out today. Joey's on his way believe it or not, to a pastor's conference in, in Florida. Yep, I believe and, it. You know what's really funny, too? He's just, I was like, well, uh, uh, what time are you leaving? What are you going to do? He's like, yeah, well, we're leaving at this time. And the first thing on the agenda is all the pastors are meeting at Cheesecake Factory to eat together. <laughs> Oh I was like, well, true pastor, Southern yeah. pastor form. We got to eat, and then we'll go over to the conference. You know, first you got to eat, got to eat. Go yeah. to the place I'm, that has literally the largest <laughs> portions on earth, and it's named after a dessert. It's the perfect. Uh, it's the perfect restaurant for Protestant <laughs> gatherings because there's more menu items than there are denominations. That's right. in America. It's crazy, but that, yeah. So he he won't be here today, but that's okay. He's with us in the spirit, and uh, I, he actually probably needs this time to get away and spend some time with his wife. But what really is crazy about that is we have all four of the Svensson kids. We're watching them. And oh my gosh. Rose is the oldest. And I think she's what? Eight. I think she's eight years old. And then we got the three other ones plus our three, which is insane. So tonight's our first night with everybody. And, uh, yeah, that sounds so, so much that, fun to me. I love, I love chaos and like a home environment. I don't know why. Yeah. I just like it. <laughs> Yeah, but well, I guess you and Bridget just don't care though. Like, I mean, you. <laughs> well, she doesn't like chaos. No, she doesn't like chaos though. Is what I'm saying. She gets she gets irritated when stuff is out of control. Yeah, but, she, place, but she just avoids it though. That's well, what yeah, I'm saying. Like, if there if there was something crazy going on in your house, if you had eight kids 
at your house, Bridget would probably, I mean, I love her to death. She's a sweetheart. Thank God she doesn't listen to your podcast, man. But she would probably just go to her room and go yeah, to sleep. go to the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so you you have what probably Joey and I don't have, which is something where like you you realize you're doing the best you can and that's all you can do. Like if a kid falls and breaks his arm, well, that, that, it would suck and you would handle it and you wouldn't like it. That's not what I'm saying. But you're not worried about the what ifs. Where I think about what ifs, like tonight I'm thinking, man, what if two or three kids are up at right. one in the morning having to go pee, this, this, and this? Is Jess going to be tired? I have to get to work the next day really early, blah, blah. You know, I'm thinking about all the what ifs, which is pretty detrimental to my health. Sure. I think no, I guess to, to me, I think mine and Bridget's relationship is similar to mine and yours, as I th- find y'all both difficult. You're very complicated and it's complementary. Like her weaknesses and strengths are they, they're opposite of mine. So that's a good thing as long as you cannot, as long as you can get along and get through stuff. But I personally, I just like chaotic environments. I feel like I thrive in them as opposed to um, rigid environments because then I constantly am just failing. You know what I mean? To me. Yeah. Dan, you like kids? Do I like kids? Yeah. Do you like children? Yeah. Kids are amazing, man. They're you great. Think, you think Not you convincing, and your baby girl have some one day? Yeah. No, we, uh, we hope to have some in the next couple years for sure. Nice. So. Are you well, excited? Guess, you, are, you truly are excited to be a dad or you're like, eh, I don't know. No, I like my I, yeah. freedom. No, I'm I'm excited. I I've felt a pull toward it for probably a couple of years now. Like, I, okay, a little story is like, I unless I told this last time, I don't know. But uh, Matt McDonald's wife, Christy, she sent me a video of Piper, their youngest daughter. Uh huh. Yeah. And then the other day on Sunday morning, a couple weeks ago, I woke up and like it's the first thing I saw on my phone. I hadn't I hadn't seen it Saturday night, and so I watched it and I was like, I love Piper so much. I texted them. I was like, Hey guys, um, I need to see Piper. Can you guys get together for lunch today? I didn't really care about hanging out with Matt and Christy. The the main <laughs> goal was to hang out with Piper, and they had to be available for me to be able to do that. So I, I want well, to know they definitely, they yeah. I mean, it's not like they're going to drop her off with you, you know, <laughs> Well, they, they will, they do sometimes, but no, it's like, that's the point I'm getting to where like, you know, I, I want to see their kids as much, almost as much as I want to see them. So I think that that's kind of showing me that I'm, I'm headed that direction. I, you know, you can't be ready for fatherhood in the sense of like, it's hard and it's a lot of work and you don't really, you can't, from what I understand, you can't really anticipate what it's going to be like in, in the large scale, but mm-hmm. I'm definitely like, I definitely feel like I'm, I want that next step, even though I know it will be hard. Yep. It'll so. be a fun one, but I was saying that it'd be funny for you to have called Matt and Chris say, I want to hang out with your baby. Just, you know, you one-on-one kind of thing. I was just yeah, no. <laughs> hinting at the, the, basically what I really consider to be an over-biased, over-biased against men in, uh, child care or you know being a creep basically i think people have sure i know it sounds crazy but i think people may have gone off the deep end a little bit i was at the park i decided this is what i'm gonna start doing when i real funny because if i go somewhere with georgia people don't often think that i'm her father because her skin's darker than mine and she doesn't look that much like me so i think people often don't really think that i'm her dad so they go oh who's that is that your uh you know (laughs) you know what is it (laughs) Is that, did, you is that, steal is, this, is, did you steal this child? No, or well, see, oh, it makes sense. your heart. You're an adopted yeah. father. No, they, they go, well, they ask reluctantly, like, they're like, uh, is that, is this, that's your daughter, you know? And just because that makes them nervous, I'll just go, oh, no, I'm, I'm just a nanny. <laughs> you say that? <laughs> no, no, but I'm going to start because they, they would, you know, like you're up, when you're up at the park, it's all moms and nannies and stuff. So, like, why couldn't I be a daggum nanny is what I'm saying. 
Like, you know how well, creepy that would be for me to be a yeah. nanny? Yeah. yeah. But that's what well, I'm going to start saying to people. I, prom- I promise you, I will do it next time, so my story will be true. But next time somebody asks me, it's my daughter, I'm just going to say, oh, no, I'm a nanny. Like, that's my career. If you ever need anything, I'm going like, to say, if you ever need anything, you give me a call. What do you think the ladies will say at the park? <laughs> yeah, that'd be you scared. Would not, like, you, oh, you live in us- my neighborhood, right? So, yeah, if, hey, if you ever need a babysitter, nanny, like, I mean, I've been doing this for years, so just Oh, call yeah, what's, me. Your, uh, what's your address? I'll just, I'll just stop by and I'll yeah, just I'm, lend I'm a Yeah, I'm great with kids. You can see this little one here. She loves me. We spend all our time together. Uh, it's I funny just have that such people- a deep connection to kids. I mean, you know, because... The only other point I have on that is it's unbelievably underreported how many women abuse and sexually abuse children. They're not safe. It's underreported. And you'll see that over the mm. next 10 and 20 years. You'll see all these uh, stuff is going to come out about females abusing children. It's a little bit different than men. It's not as scary, but they do it. They sexually abuse children. Women do all the time. So it's not a matter of men unsafe, women safe for your kids. That's the bullshit. Sure. But that's the bias anyway. Well, well one un- thing that- unrelated to safety issues, the funny thing is we went to lunch and Matt and Christy are processing through some stuff. And so we were just like talking through like some existential questions about faith and church and the Bible. And so like totally typical conversation for us right. when we get together. And then afterwards, Matt's like, yeah, I mean, I know you wanted to hang out with Piper, but you know, sorry, we ended up just talking about this. And I was like, are you kidding? That was like the best lunch ever. My mind is having a conversation with you about like philosophical problems. And then my hands are returning a sippy cup to your amazing daughter as she throws it at me every 15 seconds. It's not like I can talk to Piper. Yeah, it's right. not like about, she's good at conversation anyway. I can't talk with her about biblical infallibility. That uh, It's boring. So I just get to hang out with her and just like laugh at her or whatever. And then I get to talk with you about like these heady questions. It was like literally the ideal situation for me. So you didn't, he didn't have to apologize. That was perfect. It is funny though. Like kids, like one, it, I love though, like talking to kids about God and, and, and like prayer and stuff like that only because you're right. It, you're not really having a real conversation. It's just, there's a, just some kind of joy or goofiness there that makes it a little bit lighthearted. And I get to see maybe even a little bit of God's goofier side, funnier side or something like that, because I've been trying at night when we go to bed to have my kids say one thing that they're they want to pray about, right? I'm like, hey, what's one thing uh-huh. you're thankful for or you'd like to pray about? And every single night, I promise you, it's always either they see something in the room or they just, I promise, this is the last two nights in a row. <laughs> whatever root, they see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously, whatever they see. If they see, if they see like out the window a tree, they go, a tree. <laughs> and, and they kind of like look look at you from the side of their eyes like they know that might not be right, but they, they're trying to get away like they really are thinking oh, that. Man. But the last two nights in a row, either Ruby or Ike, I said, okay, Ike, I started with Ike last night. I said, Ike, what, uh, what are you thankful for? Or what do you want to pray for? And he goes... Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> legitimate. <laughs> yeah, legitimately. And then Ruby's was uh, for ice cream. And then June, I just look at her and say, June, you know, uh, Ruby's five, Ike's three, and June it just turned two. I said, June, what do you want to pray for? And she goes, I love mommy. Because <laughs> that's, her, that's her most thing in the whole world. Mommy is her best friend or everything or cuddler, every mm. possible thing. So that's what she thanks for. But it's really fun because they are saying a real prayer that is just goofy and doesn't really matter and they won't remember it and it doesn't mean anything and not really praying for Chuck E. Cheese. But it is, I like that idea. Like, like even what you said, Dan, like it just, uh, I mean, you're not going to have a real conversation, but in some ways it's just fun to have that with them, like, that, that they're there or they get to see it or, or whatever. I, I really do. Do yeah. like that 
part of Christianity that kids, I mean, even Jesus talks about that too. Like, you know, right. you must have faith of a child and stuff like that and what that means. And I think sometimes maybe that's just, you're just goofy with it and it's just real and you just say stuff. You know what I mean? Like you just, you, you don't have it all together and you don't care. Like that idea is, is kind of fun and refreshing to me for sure. Can I get a little deep on the childlike faith thing for a second? Ben? Yeah, let's ta- um, let's do a sponsor yeah. spot real quick there and tell oh, who brought right, this no, episode. After, anyway, you can have all afterwards. the time in the world. No, no, that way you won't be interrupted. We want to give you plenty of time to go deep right. on a child thing. So go all ahead. All right, okay, fine. <laughs> that was that might have been considered an innuendo there, Toby. I was it was, it was intentional. <laughs> yeah, you, you're just a little slow on this. Uh, I mean, yeah, you, I was, yeah, was trying. <laughs> I was just really trying, trying to believe you didn't mean it that way. Good-hearted, innocent Dan. Like, no way he didn't mean that. You could be true. Anyway, if you're going to have kids, if you're gonna, the first thing you've got to have is a good marriage. Am I right, Toby? Yes, you do, Matt. You have to have a good marriage. Uh, sex is very important to your marriage, and that is how, that's where kids come from. I don't know if you guys realize that or not, but you have sex, and that's where the babies come from, the man's semen and the woman's eggs inside her vagina. Dan, did you know, did you know that, Dan? Okay. That's what kids are made of. That is right. what Piper yep. Nobody, and Georgia yes. are made of, like through the I, grossest I, things a, in the world. A, you a know, super, period. Yeah. Th- let me show you how babies made. A hairy, large, overweight man takes his erect, sweaty penis, puts it inside <laughs> an awaiting vagina that is now moist from him excited oh to have sex gosh. with him. He ejaculates inside of her. That ejaculate goes down. Now, I, I still never understood our, our semen alive. I guess they are. Matt, they're swimming, right? They are alive. Are they dead? Didn't we talk about this on a podcast? Anyway, moving on. That semen ejaculate goes into the egg, and one of the semen breaks through the outer lining and goes in and then makes a baby, and that's where you come from. Does everybody understand that? Got it. So with that being known now, don't you want to make that ride fun? Don't you want to, if you're a big old hairy, sweaty guy, you're a welcoming wife, whatever. Maybe you're a mean wife and you don't like your husband, whatever it might be. Maybe you just don't even like talking about sex. Our good friends, Craig and Jeanette Gross, have created an awesome resource called Best Sex Life Now, and you are able to finally have some good conversations, get a little real. We, we, we say things here that are a little uncomfortable sometimes on, on our podcast, but it should be okay and not as awkward as we make it to talk about sex in our marriage. You, you guys agree with that, right? Yeah, a lot of Christians are pretty bad about having so much repressive stuff in their totally. practices and even yep. theology and systems that a lot of marriages really do suffer from that because they don't even feel like it's okay or right to talk about or have shame in their marriages. And then sex lives are bad, and it, and it hurts families, children, marriages, everything. So um, well, well, Craig, Craig really and Jeanette get, are good yeah. for, for being, being leaders there and talking about it, talking about it openly and giving people that chance. And the best thing about their series is if you – People need help, and it's definitely cheaper than even one uh, counseling session would be with a professional counselor, so worth a shot. Yeah, this is just real people talking about real sex. We all God made it. He planned it for us in our marriages, so why not have a very open, honest discussion? It's called Best Sex Life Now. Check it out. You guys will not be disappointed. Yep, so then you can go to badchristian.com forward slash best sex life now and check that out. All right, back to Dan. What did you have for us, Dan? Wow, now it's so much pressure. Uh, I was just saying that, like, you know, childlike faith is one of those kind of mysteries that that Christ talks about. And, you know, I think in college I was like, well, I don't want a childlike faith. I want to be reasonable and whatever. But recently I've been thinking about it like – 
kind of what you were saying about your kids, just like, well, I, I, I was resisting quoting, um, brick from anchorman, just saying, I love lamp. That's what I was thinking about when you were talking about <laughs> the kids. But, um, are you just saying that cause there's a lamp in the room? Yeah, totally. Uh, That's exactly, exactly what it is. It's like that, but no, but like, I think that one way of thinking about that is like, if we can, if we can quiet ourselves before God, uh, in some sort of semi-regular fashion to where it becomes a habit to like be quiet before him and still to shut our own minds up as much as possible and just sort of be aware of him and listen. I, f- I feel like, uh, simple things do take on more meaning. So like, for instance, for me, when I'm able to do that, like I pause longer at like a blossoming tree, like recently trees have been blossoming in Seattle. A lot of them are done now, but for the last few weeks, like I've found, like I notice them more. I appreciate them more. It's the simplest thing. It's just, it's a tree blossoming. It's happened every year since I was born, but it takes on more meaning when I have less of a monologue going on all the time. And the other thing that's related to this for me is like, actually that's not a simplistic turn right there at all. Cause actually if we believe that God created the universe, then what we believe is that, well, for some of us anyway, four and a half billion years ago, he created something out of nothing. 6,000. Go ahead. That is okay. 6,000 years ago. Yeah. However long it was, that is like, <laughs> like billions of light years wide, the universe of all this stuff. And in fact, nothing we have, nor our existence, nor the people we love, nor the food we like to eat, nor paint colors, nothing would exist except for God's loving creation of the universe. And so it might seem simplistic and childlike to say, I love looking at this tree right now, but actually we wouldn't even have our eyes. I mean, we like, it's a profound, it's a profound thing to take any created object and go, that's great. Thank you, God, for that. You know what I mean? Well, it, yeah. it speaks a little bit to what, what I, I, I kind of realize is the cycles of being maybe overly involved in your own intellect or theology, for instance. I see that expressed a lot and have been yeah. guilty of it where I'm like, okay, and this is the way I approach everything. I think I'm going to figure this all out, and then I'll have that in my tool belt, and I'll move on. So I approached theology for years like that. Like, okay, I can learn this. I can figure it out. I can listen to these five guys that I think know a lot and absorb all that and know everything I need to know, you know, get it, get it, and then use it. And then I guess I'm at a point now where I, I just – now I can almost say I don't care about theology, you know. I pursued it, and now I feel like, well, that was just a bunch of like – self-indulgent thinking for for almost no reason in some ways, you know, and I, I, and then I experience people on the internet and in real life all the time, and I'm thinking, man, you're just so absorbed in trying to, this self-indulgent, you know, exercise of thinking you are about to get everything under control theologically, like as if you yeah. could. So, that, and to contrast childlike faith, it would be like the high theology minds, I guess, or the people, I think it's couch potato ones, you know. Sure. I think theoretically it's both though for, for some people who are called to it. Like I don't think Jaffrey is called to theology. She doesn't really care. She would like a few principles that she can apply to her life. And then she would like to, to love people. 
right? Like she just doesn't, she would, if I was like, Hey honey, for Christmas, I got you a scholarship to Duke divinity school. She would punch me in the face. Like that's not exciting to her. She's not interested in that. And that's fine. I don't think she's particularly called to that. I feel like I am called to that. And so for me, the balance needs to be, I need to have a childlike faith and I need to realize that whatever system I have, it will never be complete. And so therefore my system will never be totally accurate. That doesn't mean that theology is not important. It is important. In fact, Joel Osteen is operating on a very particular bullshit theology Uh and preaching to a hundred thousand people in person. And who knows how many millions of people online every, every week. And that theology does matter. Like, uh, you know, it's important to realize that prosperity gospel is not the gospel. In fact, that it's the opposite of the gospel. So, and you can't just do that by like, I mean, I feel like there is a, there is an academic battleground that does matter and that uh-huh. does impact people. So the, the thing though, cause I have been feeling a very similar thing is what you said of to like stop resting in the fact that I have a better system than someone else has. And like, it's never going to be correct. I'm never going to have the right system. I have to live my faith out. But some people are still called, I think, to that arena. Yeah, no, I'm not and, a, a totally opposed to it. But Toby does an interesting thing where he discredits everything that everybody does by just saying <laughs> that's just what they're into, which I really like. Uh, I really like, yeah. I really do really appreciate that, and I apply that a lot. But Toby would say, uh, oh, John Piper this, and he has everything worked out, and everything is you Bible this, and you figure this out, whatever, and he thinks that everybody should be that way, but that's easy for him to say because that's just what he thinks is fun for him. As if, like, mm-hmm. not to, you know, it's kind of a discrediting thing of saying, if I was that into all that stuff, then I would be the same as that. Or, you know, it's just, that's just what the guy likes. So it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, I mean, into is like maybe a little bit crass, but I do think that like even when you get into philosophy and theology, what the hell you mean like, crass? It's just like a little bit I'm inexact. Like, uh, like people do have intuitions though. Like, so I took all these philosophy of religion classes when I was getting my degree, and like you get to a problem, say like God's omniscience, and there's like this philosophical problem. You know, well, how can he know this, and how can he whatever? And you get down to the very bottom of it, and you have two or more really smart philosophers who end up disagreeing at an intuitional level. And they just go, you know what? My intuition is that this is a bigger problem and this solution is better. And the other person is opposite. My intuition is that this is the bigger problem. And so this is the solution. And so Piper Piper's intuition is that God's glory and sovereignty are like the main thing. Mm -hmm. But but that is an intuition. It's not like the Bible says that. And even if the Bible did say that in black and white, we would have a lot of hermeneutical questions. We would ask, have to ask, who was that written to? How did they understand it? It's just never that simple. So his intuition is that, you know, Greg Boyd, who uh, McDonald loves, is like an open theist. So like for him, his intuition is that people's freedom is really important. It's very important that people have freedom of choice and God gives them that freedom by, by not determining the future. So like that's his intuition. So it's, I want to say, Toby, maybe you're even, maybe even more right than you think in terms of even at a deeper academic level, people do have intuitions. And, and I think it's good that people have different intuitions because then we can sit there and go, all right, I see what they're saying. They're saying, they're saying, and we can find hopefully some balance. But if you just go, yeah, Piper, everything is for God's glory. The dying kid, the Holocaust, these things glorify God. You go, uh, I mean, probably not like, but, but there is a place for God's glory. And so we can, 
factor that into how we think about things, you know? Yeah, I've, I've stood in front of a toilet with a large turd in it and <laughs> with each child and we cheered and had joy and we're like, yay, this is awesome. So, I mean, any, I mean, and that's, that's how you, you know, get energy and get rid of the energy, the food that you don't need and resources. So, yeah, I think kids do have it right. And, and you know what, here's what I have been thinking for quite a while is, that if you look at Jesus, it really seems like a lot of times he deals with people on like a, like they're kids, and he's like this this older brother dude that's just like, are you kidding me? Come on, you know what I mean? Like the way he talks to to people is like, you just don't get it. You're not going to get it. You need it. just just realize that you're not going to get it and be cool. And here here I am, and and the way he acts, like he, I feel like he tries to present everything to us in the simplest possible way. But and wouldn't we don't that get be it. true, like, Toby, for John Piper and Greg Boyd and those people? Like, like, don't you think that God's going, you don't even, come on. Like, yeah, you, no, like that's they, what I'm saying. They feel like they're 94% of the way there is the way it comes across. Like, yeah, I'm not right about everything. I'm not perfect. I mean, I'm probably 96, you know what I mean? But yeah. they're probably yeah. like nothing. is the pro- that's, that's what I'm saying. That They're more like a kid to God. Like, you, you don't yeah. know anything. No, yeah, that, 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 that's what I think, maybe. That's a pretty, I don't know, that's a pretty, that's pretty cynical. What percentage of John Piper's theology do you think John Piper believes is correct? Oh, yeah, he probably thinks 90%. I mean, yeah. hopefully people don't think 100% about their own No, that's what I'm system. saying. They would and, give some concessional right. uh, 94% thing and say, I'm not yeah. perfect. But it's okay. You have, I mean, what you, if you ask somebody, what, how, how, you believe something, anything, pick it. How, what percent certain are you of that belief? Everyone has to be more than 50% or else they wouldn't believe it. They have to be up in a fairly high thing. You tell me, you know, what percentage do you believe that your wife loves you? I'm going to give a really high percentage. You know what I mean? Like, otherwise I wouldn't believe it. Sure. No, I, right? I understand that. But, so. but overall, like confidence level, I think you're crazy once you get much above 51 then, if you had to put it that way. Well, I, I think what you're saying, and I think I, I agree with this, is that when it comes to the, the more esoteric we get, the more complicated and heady and like we're ascribing things to God who is got to be fundamentally incomprehensible just by definition. Yeah. Obviously the further we get down that road, the more we need to have some humility. And this is basically my whole program. It's just theological humility, intellectual humility, you know, so we like, ought to be operating why, in the fifties is what I'm saying. Even ev- yes, everybody. I, and I do, I do agree with that. Open every, whatever you believe about God, whatever you believe about the Bible and about how women should act and homosexuals should act and anything you have, any belief you have firm belief, Hold it with an open hand, hold it with an open mind, because just the very fact that there are so many brilliant and loving people who disagree should remind us that our chances of being right are much lower than we think. Yeah, believe it. So yeah, I, totally I would agree. I, I would say, uh, I'll go one step further. I think most people are higher on full of shit, is what I think. And I also think that that's what I'm saying about Jesus is that he stressed over and over these simple ideas because we don't even get those. Like we skip right over till we can get into this big theological stuff sometimes mm-hmm. where, where Jesus is like, just love your neighbor like you love yourself. We don't, I mean, we can't understand that. We don't 
actually get that. In fact, we do mostly the opposite of that. And like it says, just love oh, God yeah. with all your heart. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, I mean, like the, the simplest teaching possible, just just look at this. You do not love this person like you would want them to treat you. You're not treating them how you'd want them to treat you. And so that's why, that, that's the only thing I think is. In the meantime, like, like chill you said, Dan, on I think the amillennial a- and the age of the earth. <laughs> In the meantime, <laughs> right. right? I mean, that, that if we can't even get the simplest stuff right, why in the world are we so sure on the on the other ideas of like, well, he was actually saying this, and it applies to me today because of this, and you know, this all I don't know. But anyway, uh, I think uh, that that's what I think that's what Saint Francis is kind of saying as Pope right now, or Pope Francis, sorry, is kind of saying is like, look, we're not throwing out Catholic dogma here, but for a really long time we've been really focused on minutia, and maybe we should be loving the poor. But he also, should, speaking yeah. of dogma, doesn't he say the dogs are going to heaven? Though, ain't that the little out there? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not dogs familiar might with go that to heaven. Aspect, I don't know. I, I think there'll be animals in heaven. I believe that. I, animals I, I mean, or Reggie, oh, like a resurrected animal, you right? <laughs> Toby, Toby, animals, ask me, yes. Ask, Reggie, no. <laughs> Toby, ask me right now, like you ask your kids, what's something that I, I'm thankful for right now? Just ask me, Dan. What is something that you are thankful for? I am thankful that this has been the funniest, most <laughs> gut gut cutting, joke filled podcast episode that you guys have ever released. I'm so thankful for that. This one has been hilarious and insightful. No, I, yeah, I'm obviously being sarcastic. So sorry about that, guys. This is this is just going to the deep stuff. Sorry, you're <laughs> you're you're bummed out, man. My bad. Uh, so. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Matt, we got time here for uh, yeah. another conversation. Yeah, we got, Something that's been we on got my a mind. few questions, but we'll do well, more of this. You, you know, you, you guys are both in Seattle, both a bunch of liberals. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah, you, oh, all yeah. you care about is giving to the poor, like redistributing, redistributing the wealth. That's what you. <laughs> that's Dan. You have that tattoo, right? Redistribute or yeah, ex, it's or execute, right? <laughs> in Latin, yeah, in Latin. That's why everybody did, home, the home start at the five hundred thousand dollar mark in here. That's what, yeah, exactly, totally. So, uh, and I mean, Matt, having lived up there now. Do you, in Seattle, do you think it is way more uh, social issues than, say, Greer, South Carolina? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, probably the most common Christian stream is not fundamentalist at all. It's it's definitely yeah. like social justice could sum up the most right. the largest difference between the. Christianity of the South and the Northwest. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much that's, is that, the difference. That's interesting. That's kind of interesting. That's now, true, but I mean, but Mars Hill was like the biggest church in Seattle, or at least if it wasn't the biggest, it was second or something. And it's like, you know, neo-reformed, like very conservative, high emphasis on personal holiness, yeah. high emphasis on gender now, roles. Honestly, though, Dan, family. compared to the South, not really. It's still way more Seattle-y than everything in the South for the most part. Yeah, for sure. The, I'm the just saying, just to highlight like, the cultural difference, it is even that, which I understand your point, sure. is, it still pales yeah. in comparison to the fundamentalist conservatives of the South. But social oh, justice man, being I mean, the operative thing, for sure. That's the biggest difference I, I notice. I mean, a lot of churches in the South tell you the Republican to vote for. I mean, seriously, from the pulpit. It's it's yeah, crazy. It's, it's getting better, but anyway. Yeah. So one one big topic that's been going around is, and and I I heard about it first, honestly, from Seattle when they increased the minimum wage. Right? Don't y'all pay like what is it, like it's minimum going wage to now? fifteen? Like 50, it's going to fifteen in in the city. It takes it like, like five fit. years for that to happen, though, right? It's increasing. It's le- I mean, slowly. Five years. Yeah, but it's basically where it will be. I yeah. think it's less than that. We'll be at 15 soon, which is crazy because I went to McDonald's this morning, as I do many days a week, and I know for sure that the people that work at McDonald's have no possibility of living in our city. That is true. But yeah. what's really bizarre is I think the minimum wage 
actually causes this weird problem where you have people that probably live in Tacoma that drive to the Space Needle to work at the McDonald's because they get paid 15 an hour. You know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, with that being said, there's an, a new article. I thought this is, uh, this is pretty interesting, um, and it's by Hamilton Nolan, and it says, you are paying billions because McDonald's and Walmart won't. And I thought this is kind of cool. Just, and I'm just putting this out there for discussion. I don't think I have, I don't know if I have a, a, a grounding here. It sounds, initially, I think making more money sounds right, but at the same time, meaning McDonald's and Walmart should pay more to their workers. That, that sounds right to me, but I might be wrong. But anyway, this, there's a new study out of the University of California and it attempts to quantify the extent to which low-wage employees of major corporations end up having their basic living expenses paid by the public due to the fact that yep. the profitable major corporations that employ them pay so very little. Um, it says that uh, these people are working Americans. No one can argue that they are lazy. And also for many of them, their employers are some of the world's biggest and most valuable public companies in the world, like Walmart, McDonald's, or Target. And these are not a class of workers exclusively employed by mom and pop operations. With those two things in mind, uh, the researchers found that the total cost of public aid to poor working families oh, yeah. from the federal government and state governments in is $153 billion per year. That's to say that taxpayers are paying $153 billion per year to supplement the very low wages paid to our fellow working Americans. Like, uh, in the, I mean, that, that makes sense to me. That, now, you know, the right will, will argue, if you work at McDonald's, that's the pay it should be. They can, they can pay whatever they want, and if you don't like the pay, go get a better job, but that's not as easy as it sounds. You just can't go and get another job. You might not have the money to get the education or... Honestly, sometimes as we find out, you might not be the right race or the right sex to move up into a job that, so that you're pays more, supports wage. your family. I think I am. I, I think I always would. In a sense of why can't Walmart make less billions? Like you know what I mean, and pay their their workers more. They're still going to be filthy rich. They just won't be as rich, and, and that goes to, well, yeah, but what about their stockholders? They're not going to like that, but yeah, so what? We need to really, we actually need to change it, and you can still be very extremely extravagantly rich, but just not quite as much, and give Dan, somebody else a little bit. Your pro-minimum wage hikes? Yeah, I mean, I, do, I really do not know a ton about economics or politics, and so I, it's not my area of expertise, but to me, there's something common sense about, like, it costs X number of dollars to live in a state or city. If you cannot earn that much money, you're not going to just starve and die in a in a first world developed country. Yeah. There will be some way that you survive and that will get paid for some other way. So, I mean, it, people have kids, their kids need to go to school, they need shoes. You know, it, it's just like like life just costs something. Also, I think I just think we got to be so careful. We have to be careful on both ends because we can't turn the government into God and our savior. Yeah. But also every country, every time the Israelites or other countries who are not the Israelites are judged by God in the old Testament. A primary reason is that they ignored the poor. These are nations. They're not individual people and they're not even the Israelites often. And so it's like, that's obviously important to God. For me, in my mind, I'm going to err on the side of not complaining that I have to pay 5% more in taxes from my cushy, white-collar, creative job. And yeah. I'm going to try and err on the side of, 
I hope people have enough to live comfortable lives because that doesn't see, that does seem important to God. So that's not an open and shut argument, of course. And some bills are good. Some bills are shit. They're poorly written. You know, they're actually serving corporate interests and they don't seem to be. But in general, I mean, in Seattle, like for a family of three or four, it is almost impossible to not go into debt on less than 70 grand a year. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't live on minimum wage in the city. You just can't. No, you can't. And then you have to think, well, if someone can't afford a car, that means they have to take public. So essentially we are bussing in cheap labor so that we can get our cheaper hamburgers uh, so that we can profit more and our houses will go up. I mean, it's, it's a very complicated, complex system. But in general, it seems to me like just paying people a living wage if that is truly what it is, I just can't see that being bad in the long run. You know what I mean? Well, I, I'll take a and, different angle on it, even though I'm going to agree with Dan's assessment of what you should complain about and not and the poor matter and you should take care of it. I mean, that solution is literally one that just sounds good and is good for political people to say, I care about the poor. Very simple. You know how catchy that is? Oh, increase the minimum. What You know how... It's just crazy. You know how marketable saying that is. That's why that's where I resist immediately because it's the easiest go to that will get the most politicians, the most support for the people that, like you said earlier, already have intuitions that that's the right thing to do. It is, however, not. But it's not necessarily the most effective thing. If you put the smartest people in the world, how can we restructure our economy, deal with tax, do stuff, and had independent geniuses work together on it? They could come up with something much better than a politician saying a catchy slogan like raise the minimum wage. So I don't think that is right. the good answer, but I do think it's worth trying to figure out how to. So the best answer I've heard of is, uh, or a, an interesting one that I've heard of is the idea that all people get a minimum income, period. Like that's almost a better way to approach hmm. it is like there's a living thing and I don't know how you make adjustments or whatever, but like the, it would actually be cheaper than all those other things inefficient distribution of social money um, to go ahead and give it up front, organize it, see who gets what, and then go ahead and make sure there was the minimum amount that everybody gets and that the people under $36,000, whatever, don't pay any income tax. So a radical shift is probably the best solution here, but we're never going to get radical, which is so just like anything, churches and everything else. I think huge, large scale, sweeping, well thought out, um, paradigm shifting changes are, are what's necessary. And mi- minimum wage itself does particularly irritate me because it's just a bad solution in my opinion. But the goal to I- increase and help the poor sh- is, should be a priority. Yeah, I guess I just, I don't know enough to really talk about it on a podcast with any kind of authority. <laughs> well, that's right. No, I so mean, I'll just, well, no, but, I'm, but no, that's what you know what this is. That's how this podcast works. It's not, I don't know anything about economics. <laughs> I don't even. Oh, I know that. I know that's how this podcast works and I'm choosing to excuse myself. <laughs> no, well, that, that's the point of it is for people to hear um, medium people, regular people, you know, talk about stuff in a way that they, other people can identify with and wrestle with because we don't really know. So it's nice. I think that's, that's the interesting thing is to show whatever. And, and what I think what you brought to that you know makes sense as far as thinking about looking at the poor or whatever but anyway toby just wanted to bring that up just because he thought it was interesting has just also i guess he's trying to figure out how to get his news involved in involved in these thursday episodes that might have been what it is thursday just trying to that might be what it is anyway he had to go take care of the kids for one second so let's go ahead and take a break here and uh we'll take some questions and as soon as we get back here Hey, this is 
Jeremy with Abandoned Kansas and my friend Nick with Abandoned Kansas. And uh, we are here to promote our new record, Alligator. It's coming out on May 12th on Bad Christian Music. You can pre-order our new record with some really rad square jumbo prints of our other bandmate Brad's artwork. Huge square prints come with a pre-order, some t-shirts with the artwork on it. Go check it out on deadspacepodcast.com. The reason we're pre-sailing the record on deadspacepodcast.com is because me, Jeremy, and my friend John Treese, we have a podcast called Dead Space where we just kind of shoot the shit about music and movies and what's going on in culture, and we don't take ourselves too serious over there. We uh, are premiering some new songs over on the Dead Space episodes. We'll be having special guests from dudes that were involved in the record, like Nick Patrick over here. It's the only place to hear those new songs. I can't even listen to the new songs until they come up on there. I'm not letting even the band hear the new songs. So check us out, deadspacepodcast.com, new AK record called Alligator. All right, one more thing I want to tell you about in our break today, and that is a band called American Standards. And to be quite honest, I want to tell you that I have a relationship with this band. Uh, We at BC like them. We think they're a great band. We think they sound good. We love what they do. They contacted us, and they've been actually helping us in a volunteer capacity, working some of our other bands to radio. So what that means basically is they're a hardworking band that is also really good. So I want to do whatever we can to help and support people like that. So American Standards on tour today, Friday, in Los Angeles, California, then San Francisco the next day, then Arcata, California, then Portland. They're going to be in Seattle on 428. They're going to be in Boise on 429. They're going to be in Logan, Utah on 430. They're going to be in Las Vegas on 51, and they're going to be in Hesperia, California on 52. These guys are from Arizona. They're a hardworking band. They're on tour with a band called Stay Wild. you got to support music and tours like this. We do. We're an official sponsor of the tour, or unofficial. I don't know which what the difference would be anyway. But we support, we sponsor, we're promoting this tour. American Standards. So go check them out. Make sure you like them, and then go to the concert. That's facebook.com forward slash American Standards. Then go to the show. And we're back! (laughs) Good work, Dan. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, by the way, guys, I'm Dan Koch from the band Pacific Gold, which we again didn't say, and that's fine. But our record's out. It's on DC Music. I was just going over (laughs) that. Now everybody knows me. Everybody knows you. Old Uncle Dan. I'm my buddy Dan. Yeah, I was just going over that, how uh, I did a radio show last night, and just how they have to keep telling you every two minutes, hey, we're on the line with Mad for Memory. So it's nice that we kind of don't have to do that, because they can see it right on the episode description. But yeah, Pacific Gold Records is out. So it is, uh, Dan's not on here to even promote the record, to tell you the truth. He's on here because he's interesting to talk to. But let's go ahead, just get the record. Just get it. Just just get it already, guys. Gosh. Pacific Gold. Okay. Just All right. get it. Okay. First question. Uh, what do you think about male leadership in the church and the lack of female pastors or leaders? Is it biblical to have only male pastors? That gum. Matt. <laughs> can I start can I start this one? We yeah, know what I'd you're gonna you say, to. you liberal. No, you yeah, don't you, know. You, you don't Seattle know. Liberal. Okay, you might you might have guessed it, but 
I, I would say, first of all, we got to be careful when we ask, is something biblical? There are multiple interpretations of the Bible, all of which use the Bible as their primary text. And so there is no one Good point. biblical view on any particular issue. So unless you, you go so, you can go very micro and you can say, what is the biblical position on if Jesus turned water into wine? The biblical position is he did do that. Right. But that's like, you can't go big, you can't really go bigger than that if you're involving multiple writers and texts and verses and stuff. So would you, would you go so far first. as to say uh, that use by claiming something is biblical and authoritative is like a, just is like a power play. Really? I think that people do it totally well-meaning. I don't think that people are always trying to power play. I think that's like the, that's kind of like the postmodern deconstructionist critique is that all authority is a power play. And I, yeah. I don't believe that. I do think there is plenty of power playing going on. I think a lot of it is subconscious, but I don't like, we go to a church that does not uh, ordain women. We go to a PCA church. My wife and I are pro female ordination, but it's okay. like we still go to that church. We have we love it. We have great relationships. You know, the pastor and I are aware that we disagree on this. It's not a problem for us being friends. It's not a problem for him being my pastor. So uh, I I don't think that like for instance that he's power playing by any means. I think he yeah. honestly thinks that that's what the Bible teaches. So I yeah. think. I think that's what the Bible teaches too. I mean, maybe that makes me okay. a jerk or whatever. I think if everybody knew everything no, that, that that I think or Toby thinks or anybody thinks, you'd probably say, well, there you go, sexist, whatever. I guess I think <laughs> yeah. that's what it says. I think that's probably the, the right way to read it, but I can't back it up a ton. That's just as, as it strikes me, and I do take the eldership and leadership scriptures seriously they're not nothing they're something so then you have to yeah, wade through yeah. them and as i have done that in the past it kind of comes down to me that yeah male headship i believe that stuff is good is it just a good general practice or is it a spiritual law and stuff i don't i mean i don't know but i think yeah you know dude pastors i think so sorry. Well, I mean, okay. Here's where I, I think That's I'm okay. At it's it. fine if we disagree. <laughs> Toby, what do you think? I, I think I used to be fully on probably like just male leadership. I think you know the male is the head of the household, so why wouldn't he be the head of God's house or whatever you want to say, cheesy like that? I've even heard some people say that before. But now I really do think. Uh, I mean, after hearing some stuff, and, and honestly, uh, my, uh, my pastor I had in Seattle, uh, Pastor Dave. Um, he, he made mention one time of a lot of the, the language used to describe the Holy Spirit was feminine back in the day. You know, you know what I mean? Like, yep. I'm not, not saying that the Holy Spirit is yeah. a female. That's not what I'm saying. But in, by feminine, I mean maybe like softer or more genteel or more, uh, you know, motherly even. Or, and so I really do believe to make, I mean, people stand so strong on marriage as a man and a woman. Well, a marriage is a big thing that you create that helps build a household and a family. And that means that the Christians are saying that a man and a woman are needed to create that. So I do believe maybe there is more that, that, that can be done. And I, I think that, that a lot of women and females have a lot of great things to say that need to be heard. And I mean, God, Jesus revealed himself to the females first, I think, in the Bible and told them to go tell people. And he, he, he gave a lot of word or words to the uh, to females to have them tell other people and share and to do things. And so yeah. I think it's interesting that God, Jesus chose 12 men as disciples, but also that was the 
serious culture there. And if our culture is changing, maybe we can change. And I really don't think anybody's not going to heaven if they have a female pastor. That's, sure. You know what I mean? It's not like a, it, it's, it's an open-handed sure. issue. It's not a closed fist thing, fist that we are not uh, able to talk about. That's so a that's good point because it makes me think if a female knows the gospel, was encountered by Jesus, what is it that, especially if you deconstruct a church model, which we often do, then what is it that a female is not supposed to do? Like, yeah. don't go tell this to how many people? Like, I don't yeah. know. That yeah. does get a little bit weird. I think... I think there are three. So I don't know the answer to this. You know, I, I said I lean towards the more inclusive view. And I'll just throw out three three areas of people who are interested in looking into this. If they want, they could look into these three things that I think cast some doubt on what would appear to be the obvious scriptural reading. Number one, if you take the Genesis account to be like this scientifically accurate sort of play by play, then I think you're going to come to certain conclusions that seem inescapable. But if you do believe in, in, that God used evolution, if you believe that Genesis is written sort of poetically in the in the in like the poetic and mythic language of the time in which it was written, then I just I think you can pull a lot less specifics out of it in that way. First of all, second of all, Paul, you know. Paul's words about women are notoriously difficult because he does seem to contradict himself. So he will say, I don't permit a woman to speak in church or women should, you know, wives should ask their, their husband questions when they get home from church. But then the third thing is that in Acts, there are for sure women evangelists that are preaching alongside Paul. So it's, it's, there's quite actually a bit of controversy in the biblical scholarship world, as I understand it, about those verses. Some people think some of those are added by editors, or they think that Paul is quoting things, or whatever. It's just not, it's not totally clear, but it does seem that he's sort of contradicting some basic facts that are portrayed in the book of Acts. For me, those things just cast enough doubt for me to, for me to go, well, okay, so there's some doubt here, and then if I just consider, if a woman can run Germany can a woman not teach me the Sermon on the Mount? Like, I just think there's enough doubt for me that I'm going to, I'm, I'm comfortable leaning into my intuition, but I'm also comfortable saying that that's what I'm doing. Well, I'm how about the logic of that? That's a good point, Dan. You're saying if it's maybe ambiguous, even if I lean one way, but I could see it going both ways, maybe the inclusive one would be a good one to choose. Like, as, you know what I mean? The that's risk sort of, of being the wrong way where, is you're really yeah. harming somebody or whatever. If, you, if you're kind of ambiguous on how it goes. That being said, I'm totally for uh, to get Hillary in office. Not that I'm going to vote or care about her politics, but <laughs> I think Obama's great because he's black and he's a chill dude, and now we can get a woman, so that's going to oh be fun. Gosh. So I'm, I'm totally into it. Well, well here's Thanks, one Carter. thing, too, to think about, though. I promise you, though, if, if it's a female pastor, I everybody on earth should pray that she is not good looking or looks like a, a, a female ESPN analyst. Like, I mean, if she looks great, if she's a great looking woman and then the husband goes home that day and says, well, you know, uh, Pastor Judy she, uh, up there, you know what well, she said, that you need to be maybe oh doing, gosh, yeah. uh, w- women will lose their shit. If you start quoting your female pastor who's hot as hell about <laughs> finances and all that stuff, it'll be insane. Absolutely. Like she's blonde, <laughs> well, she wears a short skirt and she brings the word. Oh man. Okay, well, 
that might be more of a i mean i don't know i i guess i never thought of that that might be a cultural thing that we need to get over in our current <laughs> cultural moment then i don't know but yeah, toby's right women. on, the, on the, the the idea that maybe women you know what i mean it's not like it'd be empower i think for instance me and my wife both prefer would prefer it's not like my wife's a woman and voting for team woman i think we agree on the issue and she sure. would not want sure. to have a female lead probably pastor either honestly i don't yeah. think that's so. and that's that's cool. I just think it's interesting what we what we just should realize that we're saying is we think that while Paul was preaching that the Holy Spirit was happy to have women preaching, but once he wrote his letters, that's over. Hmm. And I do think that's a little bit of a weird position to hold. What's, do you, can you say, I don't know, know the scripture there, but can you say what it is? What's the example I of women preaching? To, I don't, I'm not aware yeah, of it. Yeah, I might personally. need to look that up. We'll try I and put it in the footnotes, but I'm not, yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm not aware okay. of that being yeah. clear. I but mean, honestly, one thing I did realize as of late, though, that Google is our Bible. <laughs> I mean, the, for sure. You type it, you go, oh, what is that bird? Let me Google it. That's what I mean. You Google stuff. Without Google, most people couldn't find Bible scripture. Oh, yeah, no way. Next question. What do we got, Dan? What words don't you say? You cuss a lot, but are there words you would feel bad saying? I think they just mean like just actual words. Yep. What? That's an oh, interesting question. Shit. Uh, this is a tough one. Ah, uh, shit. Damn this one it. again. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> uh, I I don't like. Uh, I, I don't know. There's probably not many words I wouldn't say, but like I don't really like you know the c word, which I guess I can say is the word cunt i don't say that word really uh that yeah. is a a word that's kind of tough and rough um, you probably don't say the n-word true no i don't say that don't i think say that, that word. What, i think what you're saying is there are i think there are certain words that at at any particular moment in culture are so charged with hateful yeah. history that to use them is to imply that history and to basically apply imply approval of it. Mm. Anybody who uses the N word to describe anyone who uses the N word to describe black people who is not in that black culture. I mean, there is some sense in which you're saying this is an appropriate term to use and you're kind of participating in slavery and all that stuff, even if only in some, sideways kind we'll of We'll tell you what's interesting is the words that are the hardest to say are not the ones that are scatological, you know, being a dirty something or sexual reference. That's a nice yeah. word, man. You know, so that, Good so, word. but I don't even know if it's called, I don't know if the N word's a cuss word really, but that's a word that's way harder to say, but it drives me crazy. I don't like having to use letters to point at a word because we're going to run out of letters soon. There's the R word, right? You can't say retard. So I, don't, I guess I'm not too worried about running out of letters. Yeah, it's we're going to run out of letters. Of It'll be a problem. List. What, what are we going to do when we're out of letters? You know. I guess. <laughs> okay. I don't think that they're asking. I don't think they're asking. Are you concerned that we will run out of letters to describe right. bad words by? But are well. You, anyway, do you I'm say just saying those words. Not, well, I mean, I don't. I hate being afraid of words. That's all. I don't like being afraid of words. But yeah, I, don't yeah, like that I, I mean, it's like the social words <laughs> but, that that come along. Those are the ones that are really scary to utter. Not the the. Not saying shit or something sure, dirty. yeah, totally. I think I, the but point one is, thing though, one thing that does bother me, like eh, people sometimes I've noticed throw around the word like rape or something, and sometimes it, it not mm. all the times, but there are sometimes where I'm like, ah, man, if you know, like for example, if my child was raped or something like that, it would be harder. You know what I mean? Like not being in the situation, and maybe that's even what you're saying too about like the n word or, or using a racial I just term. Don't like being not being in the situation the, the, the and just letters. and just saying it. 
No, but not being afraid. But it, but also, what about being aware of like, man, this, oh, this could totally. really hurt. You yeah, know absolutely. I mean? like, that's what I'm saying. I mean, Any that, word can be inappropriately thing. used. So I just don't like that the word yeah. itself to be overly weighted. I just don't like it. So I try to break that down yeah. as much as possible. How about the R word, though? Seriously, if you can't say retard, that one kind of drives me crazy because you can say idiot and moron. Like if we were, those are bad too. So. Right, because retardation is the medical. I think it's because it's the medical terminology. They had moron, imbecile, all those things were used and are no they longer used, including longer, retard. Retard is not sure, currently a ago. diagnosis either. Sure. So every single insult, if you right. call somebody idiot, this is no different than saying retard, in my opinion. But I understand. But that, you're okay. Are we you got complaining that you don't have? Are you complaining that you don't have enough insult words at your disposal? <laughs> I mean, that's not that's not really a super legit complaint. Well, that's my point. Matt, your think that, view is retarded compared to... Oh, my God. I just, yeah, I think, it's behind. It's slower. Like, you can say retard in music. Okay, here comes the retard. That's right. You say, you say this means, music all the time. It means slower. It's different... Same as idiot means this, or dumb means you're mute. So dumb, you, you're all so... Right, let's move on to the next question. Here's the one thing, though. I love calling guys pussies, but I don't like it if it's in a sexual way. <laughs> right. All right, go totally ahead. Totally agree. Okay, uh, I'll give you guys some choices. Do you want a porn question or wi- wives being supportive or a guests that were hard to interview question? Let's do something like guests. I mean, we'll get, what are we going to talk about? Porn okay. and cussing more on this show? Yeah. I know. I, was gonna, I almost didn't even want to give you that option. Okay. Um, literally, whenever I, whenever I talk to somebody who heard me on this podcast the first thing they say is like, hey, I heard you on the Bad Christian Podcast. Man, those guys talk about sex a lot. That's like the first <laughs> thing people say. Every person has said that. I just, I'm just, i trying to steer it away if I can. Okay. Um, this, like I don't, you're oral not gonna, sex or what kind of sex? <laughs> yeah. You want to you talk about like, like sexting yeah, I mean, or yeah, what? Yeah, like okay, what, are they, what were they thinking? All right, go ahead. Uh, the question is, are there any guests that you disliked or hated interviewing? Obviously, you're not going to say any names, but maybe there's somewhere we could go with this that is interesting, like what time that it was hard, or ha- have you really had a hard time with any interviewees and obviously don't tell us who they are? I think no. I mean, yes, but I don't put the blame on them. I just take it as a challenge mm. because it the whole thing that drives me crazy in the world, it, uh, something I think about all the time, is how the, the environment impacts uh what happens so the atmosphere the like for instance the crowd at a show or even worse when we go to a living room how the host acts and the, the 35 people that show up how can i be the same me and go into different environments and all of a sudden i'm not the same me because the other person is a different way why why is what they're doing going to be so impositional on me that i'm the one that has to adjust so it's really like a mission of mine to figure out how could how can i be consistent genuine and then why can't i be the one by being loose that could cause the other people to come to my level instead of uh oh this guy's uptight or this person's weird or this crowd's dead why does it have to affect me so much why can't i do make them come to me so that's what I think interviewing wise it's a skill. So if somebody's uptight, yeah, sure. But so my job is to figure out how to make my personality cause them to go, Oh, I was trying to be uptight, but I was loose because they were good. So I don't put it yeah. on the guest to be bad. 
I would say for me, there's two. One was Joey's fault, and then the other one was I just didn't know. So one was when we had Jeff Surratt, <laughs> when we had Jeff Surratt on, I had a list of questions, and for some reason, Joey, I, I had a whole list of questions that we could ask, and I sent my questions to everybody, and Joey jumped right to one that I was wanted to come in like maybe halfway through, which was talking about uh, like pastor infidelity or or uh, moral uh, failing or something like that. And Joey asked it like first question, and then that just dominated the entire interview, and I was. It really upset because I was like it, it put I th- I felt like it put Jeff a little bit on the defensive because he's a right. pastor you know he wanted to defend pastors and we didn't warm up enough to get to that question yep. so I blame Joey for that one and then the other one I thought was uh, Ryan Bell he was the ex-pastor who decided to live a year without God and I felt like I asked uh, him some legitimate questions and I felt like he just kind of laughed them off like I was being silly which was I said why a year without God why wouldn't you go a year as a sex trafficker or a Ku Klux Klan (laughs) Klan member or something if there is no God then it just then the moral thing it doesn't matter everybody's morals are up to them there is no outside of the human moral standard we adhere to so why wouldn't you try to do something really prove there there's no God do whatever the hell you want like is there really an evil? Because, I mean, you know what I mean? I, I really do believe that the Ku Klux Klan member or the Westboro Baptist Church people or the sex traffic, I don't really think they're like, truly think they're just the most evil person in the world and they just love it. I just don't think that. I think they think there's probably some good in themselves or whatever. So my point would be why it's just too easy to go a year without God. And I felt like when I asked him that, he just kind of laughed off those questions and I thought that was a valid question. So even though it was a great interview, I still thought, I wish he would have maybe thought about that a little bit more, but maybe it was a dumb question on my part. Uh, It's not necessarily dumb. That's complicated. I mean, it's also, it's interesting too, if you say, what do you say, what do you mean when you say a year without God? It sounds, I think I looked at that guy's blog once and I, I think it, it's sort of like a year without the intellectual pursuit of God would actually maybe yeah. be a better phrase for it. Yeah, his thing Which I could was, very well see that not going, you know, that not making a huge difference for somebody. Yeah, you know his, I mean? his interview yeah. with us was definitely promotional for himself, which is fine. It wasn't so much of a, a real dialogue. And what Toby's saying there, the part that I pick up on is his platform of that is a bit opportunistic. Like, if you don't, I mean, if you don't care or believe, then you're still just doing this to get people like Christians to buy your book or something. A little bit opportunistic, yeah. maybe. And like, not that genuine, I guess. and Because he knows what he thinks. So now he's just playing this game for a year that's kind of marketing i don't know perhaps yeah i don't know i mean it'd be interesting like i would be really interested in somebody who had a very active prayer and meditative life like somebody who experienced god on a regular basis like conversationally and who cared for the poor and who uh I don't know, like maybe lived in like an intentional poverty, like modern monastic community. I'd love to see one of those people go a year without God. That'd be a way different experiment than just like, I actually think maybe it's good that we can look at that, that thing and go, Oh, so maybe just like reading books and going to church isn't what God wants us doing or isn't a full experience of him. So yeah, of course that's going to go poorly or that's going to like leave somebody like if you just leave behind all the Christian cultural trappings you're used to, are you going to still crave those things after a year? Probably not. You're probably going to get used to other cultural trappings and that's great. Now I don't, and I don't want to, he may have been on to, he may have been on something good. I don't want to, I'm not trying to totally discount it. I'm just, I just, it'd be a really different thing for like Teresa of Avila or mother Teresa to go a year without God. Like, you know, I, I mean, actually that's interesting. Mother Teresa, like the story is, for like the last 12 or 
14 years of her life or something, she said she did not feel God's presence anymore. She had felt it. She stopped feeling it. So actually, Mother Teresa went 14 years without God and kept running the Sisters of Mercy or Sisters of Charity, whatever it's called, um, in, in the poorest city in India. So like, I don't know. I mean, that's like way more inspiring to me than like some seminary student. You know, for sure. Just but not yeah. reading any Christian books for a while. But yeah, sometimes the guests right. are difficult to answer that question. But I don't. I don't like. I said I don't want to blame them. We'll keep on working on it. And uh, I guess we're about done. All right. If you guys want to ha- ask us any questions, send us a voicemail six one five eight six three four 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 nine. Leave us a voicemail. We've enjoyed it, Dan. Thanks for having you on the show today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me.